Hello, my name is David Vasquez Calero. And I want to thank everybody who tuned in to my first podcast. I appreciate it very much. I'm, I'm, I'm even grateful that some people subscribed and others left uh, comments. I, I loved it. Thank you so much. But this is part two. This is when I leave the Jehovah Witness, why I left the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I have to go back to the beginning because from the very beginning, I planted a seed in my, in my mind that bothered me a little bit. See, when you're studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, they like to point fingers. See, that church does this paganistic thing. This church has that paganistic thing. And so, and, you know, and it's a learning process. So most of it was true. But it was about my third visit to the Kingdom Hall. And on that day, on my way to work, I read an article that a tie was a phallic symbol. So when I went to the Kingdom Hall that evening, I was talking to Tom Owens and I says, Tom, you know that a tie is a phallic symbol? And why do witnesses wear a, a tie? He, he had no answer for me. You know, he looked at me, he, he turned away, and uh, <laughs> that's it, man. He just turned away. And I just continue listening to the program. The ring, the wedding ring, is placed on the left finger, on the left hand, because according to the Egyptians, there's a love nerve that connects the finger to the heart. So they put the wedding band or the wedding ring on that finger. Another pagan symbol or custom. But, you know, I, I started to notice that uh, it was like pick and choose. Oh, you can't do that, but this is okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You can't have a birthday cake, but that's... Yeah. These are the things that are fed into your mind. And what these things do is they create a wall. They create a wall between you and your family and you and other religions. I have to say that recently, uh, I, you know, I wanted to uh, please my daughter. I went to one of her uh, church services. And uh, all I could say is that uh, uh, the music was beautiful, brought a little tear to my eye. But I could see how it, the people were so emotional uh, into this. I could see how my daughter likes that specific congregation. Now, I'm not one to, I would never go to another, uh, another denomination. I guess I might have to worship God by myself, but there are brothers and sisters on the internet that still love Jehovah, love Jesus more than ever, and don't practice sin. And I think that's the key, not to practice sin, praise God, and, uh, recon and, and recognize who Jesus, our mediator, is. So about 13 years ago when I uh, came to the Shirley congregation, there was uh, an elder. It took him... I don't know, six, seven, eight months to say hello to me. <laughs> I said to myself, my God, could you imagine if Peter or Paul were like that? Or Matthews with the people? Oh, I'm not going to talk. To well, anyway, it turns out that it took him a long time 
to say, never really said hello to me. Uh, he would uh, acknowledge me if I was talking to someone that, uh, oh, I, who, if I were to go and speak to them, if he was talking to someone, I would join them just to say hello because I was uh, a type of person that I would say hello to everybody. I go down one aisle, shaking hands, and come back, uh, come back up the other. I would make it my business to say hello to the elderly people or the real quiet ones. I don't know. I think that's Christian love. I also noticed after a little while that some groups mingled and others were sort of like left out. There was a blind sister. I made it my business to say hello to this blind sister all the time. I, uh, I would try to make her laugh. I wanted to, whether it was a minute I wanted to make that minute pleasant. And I would notice that they would bring her in and uh, not every, you know, some would say hello. But I don't, I, I didn't think many in the congregation actually went out of their way to say hello to her. And, and I would notice things like this. I also, I have to say that in about 13 years in this congregation, um, on about five occasions, brothers and sisters were very rude to me. <laughs> to the point that sometimes I felt my heart was stabbed. On one occasion, I, I felt that the person was so out of order that I sat down to start for at the beginning of the meeting and her rudeness affected me so much that when we were singing right after the song, I just walked out of the kingdom hall. I went home. I says, I couldn't believe how someone could be so rude. And then you would, uh, you would be in field service with an elder and you would notice that uh, they knock I didn't, sometimes I wouldn't even see the effort in which they would like to communicate. It was, they're not, oh, okay, and they just move on. I said, wow, it looks like they just want to put in their time. There was another elder that uh, you would be with him in the morning, and then in theocratic school, you'll be there. You're looking at him because you spent the morning with him, and he'll walk right by you without saying hello. I said, my God. That I started to realize the imperfection in the so-called Christian congregation of Jehovah Witness, lots of imperfections. The, uh, the whole setup in the Roman Catholic Church was different. You went in there, you had your spiritual moment, and, uh, and you left. And um, I don't know, it, to me it was a little bit more ch cheerful. That same elder would give a talk one day I hear him give a talk on love. <laughs> what comes to my mind is that this guy doesn't know what love is. He doesn't even know how to socialize. How could you put somebody that doesn't know how to socialize? And it's not that you're socializing, you're sharing your love for God with the congregation. That's what it is. But this guy doesn't know how to share his love. He talks about love. That, I, that talk insulted me. As I said, they got the wrong guy giving this talk. 
another day, I'm in field service with my brother-in-law. And we see one of the brothers from the congregation. He looks like he was wearing a little uh, bathing suit, no T-shirt, jogging with his two dogs. He used to like to jog that way. <laughs> and uh, so, hey, we're happy to see him. And he's, as he's approaching, we just wanted to maybe stop for a have him stop for a second. I, I love dogs. No, introduce me to the dogs and proceed. But here we are. We got a smile on our face and we are about to uh, approach him. And he mumbled and kept on going. I said, my God, that's a Christian. He really has a lot of love for me and, and my brother-in-law. He just kept on going. These things add up. You start to realize that all these magazines say that Jehovah's Witnesses are the happiest people in the world. Mm -mm. They might be the most that go to uh, visit their psychologists and get their Prozacs because they're stressed out. That offended me. Another thing that bothered me about the Witnesses. Divorce. It seems like divorce takes place among Jehovah's Witnesses quite often. Now, if you read the scriptures, Jesus said that if a man divorces a woman and she hasn't committed adultery, he has, he has no grounds for divorce. And he would be living in adultery himself for the rest of his life because that's technically what he would be doing. But the witnesses... They allow divorces. I remember the first congregation I went to in 1974. There was a very attractive young lady married to a good-looking guy. And uh, uh, one day I was studying with this other guy, not Tom Ormans, another fellow. And I said, how's your wife? He says, uh, oh, I divorced my wife. Now, I know that he did not commit adultery. And I don't know if she committed adultery, but he divorced her. And then the next time I go to the, the kingdom hall, I see her prancing around with a new brother. Big, tall, muscular fella. And I said, this is a congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. And they just allowed that to happen. They got divorced. She got remarried again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, divorces among Jehovah's Witnesses uh, take place quite often. And regardless if it's adultery or not, they still get divorced. And they're accepted back to the congregation like nothing ever happened. However, if you're in a family and your son or daughter, um, you know, at a mature age, uh, approaching 18, 19, 20, decides to leave the congregation, you're shunned. You're not living in adultery. You don't even have to be living in a sinful life, but you're shunned. 
Mothers don't talk to their sons. Sons don't talk to their mothers. Grandmothers don't talk to their daughters. Oh, my God. That is such a ridiculous part of this religion, shunning people. <laughs> tell, you, tell you a story about uh, one day, uh, it's after the meeting, and I'm talking to a sister, and she tells me, oh, my daughter's getting married today. So that brought a smile to my face because I figured, hey, you're going to be partying today. She says, oh, I'm not going. I said, you're not going? That's your daughter. Why? Oh, no, I said, is she, is she disfellowship? She said, no. But she did walk away from the truth. But I guess um, she wasn't disfellowship, though. I don't know. I don't know if she ever got baptized, but uh, she says, so why aren't you going? She says, oh, one of the bridesmaids is a disfellowship girl. That thing hit me like a, got my stomach upset. I couldn't believe it. I said to myself, she didn't go to her daughter's wedding because one of the bridesmaids is a disfellowship person? That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I was starting to, I mean, and it, it was so ridiculous. Another time I go to a wedding and uh, I'm sitting, oh, by the way, I'm sitting at the, at the, at the table with my brother-in-law and his wife. And these uh, witnesses come, I've never seen them before. They sit at our desk. Uh, the woman in front of me, uh, she was with her mother her father, I think her father was an elder, and uh, their grandson. The grandson, I could see that the grandson had a great relationship with the grandfather. God bless him. But the woman standing in front of me, or sitting in front of me, uh, stressed out. I couldn't talk to her. And I like to talk, but I couldn't talk to her. And they were related to the groom. So uh, remember, they're witnesses. They're related to the groom. Now, behind me, there's another desk, and I can see they're laughing and having a good time. I could tell they were not witnesses, though. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a people's person, so I get up, and I go over to the desk. We were very close, very close, you know, like a foot behind me. And I said, um, hi, my name is David, and... Uh, how do you know so-and-so? So, he's our, uh, he's a relative of ours. I said, he's a relative of yours? So, the people at my table are related to you too? I said, yeah, but they don't talk to us. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. The Christians would not talk to the other family because they were not Jehovah's Witnesses. At the end of the wedding, I'm in the parking lot and I run into the groom and his wife. I said, bro, I can't believe that your Jehovah Witness family didn't bother to say hello to your non-Jehovah Witness family. That's, you, can't, you can't ignore these things. It's absolute stupidity. This is, that's not Christian love. Where, where does uh, the good shepherd come in? Where does the, the prodigal son, the father showing love after the kid left? Where's the, the good Samaritan? 
All these stories given by Jesus Christ is to instill in us love for our fellow man. I didn't see it. They think because, they, you know, just because they go from door to door, that that's love. Excuse me, it's not. Back in the, uh, in the congregation, there was a, an elder. I really loved this guy. He was a real nice person. Real nice person. Lovely wife. They, uh, I'm 70, so they, they were at least 10 years older than me. They spent decades in Africa as missionary, missionary work for the Watchtower Bible Tract Society. So when I got to know this guy, this brother, uh, he's no longer with us, God bless him. Uh, as I got to know them, I said, uh, where do you live? He says, I live, uh, I live with, I live in the house of so-and-so. So I realized he didn't own his own house. I said to myself, wait a minute, he doesn't own it. He doesn't have his own house. He's from the Midwest, spent decades in Africa. Now he's in New York because he found a place where, in taking care of the older witness, they had access to the house. And I started to think, 10, 20, 30 years dedication to the society and you don't have a pension? They don't know how to put a couple of dollars for you? When, when your time is up, they go, hey, maybe the angel Gabriel will find a place for you. That bug, that ate at me. In fact, that ate at me every time I went to the meeting that I saw this lovely couple who dedicate a bit. But then again, look, they did it because they thought the, the end was going to come. It's around the corner. You know, it's 11 with Jehovah's Witnesses is 11, 59 and 59 seconds. And they've been saying that since 1914, even before that. But I'll get to that later. And then I said to myself, my God, you so many decades with an organization, they don't put a little money on the side for you. And then what they report, I don't even think they report anything now to Social Security. But um, what they would report to Social Security would be such a, a small amount of money that when they were able to collect their Social Security checks, I know they had tiny checks. This is God's organization. Throws people out. And, and, if, and if there's a witness out there that doesn't agree with me, uh, you could come to this studio. We could discuss the subject. I'll look into the subject in detail and show you how they just let go. This gentleman, which I, uh, <clears throat> I, I really had a lot of affection for him, him and his wife. Uh, one day I was talking to him and I asked him, are we a cult? He says, no, we're not a cult. I said, why do you say we're not a cult? He says, because most cults follow one guy. I said, okay, one guy. The Jehovah's Witnesses follow a group of guys that point to themselves and they say, we are the governing body and we are the discreet slave. That's what they tell the congregation. We are the governing body, we are the discreet slave. Self-appointed. But I'll touch on that a little bit, a little further on this recording. The other thing that was a big stumbling block was uh, I'm talking to my brother and uh, I said, look, man, this uh, generation, 1914 generation has come and gone. So there's an overlapping, overlapping generation. 
I was born in the 1950s, and I, I was a Yankee fan. Um, my father was a Yankee fan. Uh, my father was able to see Babe Ruth. I didn't. But, you know, we're two, two Yankee fans living in the same household. So I guess I could call myself a Babe Ruth uh, generation type of dude. Because after all, my father was a Yankee, I was a Yankee. We're not anointed. We're Yankees. And we overlap. He saw him play. I saw Mickey play. It's, it's like ridiculous, this overlapping generation. Who else talks about that way? How many times have you seen pictures of a grandmother, a daughter, a granddaughter, and the granddaughter has a, a little girl? And people will say, look, four generations. But with the Jehovah's Witness, somehow there's, there's an overlapping generation. So that generation that was supposed to disappear in 1940, uh, not disappear in 1940. Well, 1914 was supposed to be the end of the world, but then they got new light. And the new light brought out that, oh, it's, it's not that it was going to end, but that generation will by no means pass away without the end coming. Well, that generation came and left. And the Jehovah's Witnesses bought this overlapping, I don't know what you would call it, pseudoscience. Yeah, overlapping. I got, you know, that, that, that doesn't agree with me at all. And then you hear that all of a sudden the society has taken ownership of all the congregations. Wow. A lot of these congregations were paid for by the, the congregation. They had a mortgage. They paid it. And then all of a sudden the society owns all of them. I said, this is a. Uh, this is all piling up. Then um, I started to uh, I started to uh, not feel God at the congregation. I would go to the meeting and I would say, "I said, God, I'm here for you," but uh, but I didn't feel He was there. I would talk to Him, but I didn't feel He was there. I just felt that he was listening to me. And, um, and, and uh, I was losing, once again, like as a Catholic, I'm losing my faith in this group. And then you read a scripture like this. I'm going to read a scripture to you. This should have woke me up a long time ago. The book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 18, verse 20. Uh, verse 20, 21, 22. However, the prophet who presumes to speak in my name, a word, you know, Jehovah. However, a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. And in case you should say in your heart, how shall we know the word that Jehovah has spoken, has not spoken. I'm going to read that again. How shall we know the word that Jehovah has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of Jehovah and the word does not occur or come true, that is the word that Jehovah did not speak with presumptuousness 
the prophet spoke. You must not get afraid of him. Super clear. 1914, 1925, 1975. Then you had articles that the world will come before the 20th century would uh, pass away. Nothing. They just put in the overlapping. And the thing is this, that they have been wrong time and time and time again. And even when they admit that they're wrong, they'll come to you and say, they'll say something like, Jehovah didn't want us to know it back then, but he wants us to know it now. Or they'll throw you a line like, new light. What happened to the first light? Could you imagine, could you imagine if, if the prophets were to pen or make statements in the Bible and then they realize 10 years later that uh, <laughs> what they were writing was false? When you're saying that the world is going to end in 1914 and it doesn't end in 1914, you have been lying all that time. When you say that the world's going to come to an end in 1925, and the, and the world doesn't come to an end in 1925. You have been lying all those years up to 1925. If you're now pointing to 1975 and it doesn't come, all that time you was lying to the public. False prophets. So why should I follow an organization that constantly is prophesizing, prophesying things that don't happen? things that don't take place. I think it's very important. You know, you could criticize all churches, but if you look at the 40,000 uh, 40, denominations of uh, Christianity, they, uh, at least they, they talk to people and say, you know, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, like the book says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whomever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There are a lot of people that, that take that passage and a few other passages in the Bible. After all, you know, that's what God said, for God so loved the world. That's what God said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. So whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Jehovah Witnesses changed that verse, by the way. They feel they should read this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whomever exercises faith in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Exercise, yeah, door to door. They think, they think that going to door to door is salvation. No, the salvation comes in knowing Jehovah and really understanding how important it is to know who Jesus Christ is. And, and I know they know it, but they, they don't talk about Jesus Christ. That's one thing they never talk about. In fact, I, 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 it just came to mind. I saw a video of an elder. He was giving a talk. And uh, somebody was recording it. And I'm glad they did because this should upset everybody. This elder was saying that because men make errors. And he sort of like hinted, hey, the society has been saying this, saying that, saying this, saying that. Never happened. He said... Well, when that happens, you go back to basic. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
for salvation. But the big mistake that this elder did was that he, he mentioned Jesus Christ on more than one occasions. And he was telling the congregation that salvation comes in recognizing Jesus Christ. Within 10 minutes of that talk, another elder went up to the platform, whispered something in his ear. The speaker picked up his Bible and paperwork and apologized to the congregation and stepped out. He was saying nothing wrong whatsoever. He was saying nothing at all. But he couldn't continue speaking about Jesus the way he was. Because it might just wake up people to the fact that you remember the, the prostitute that was brought to Jesus? And Jesus said to the elder men, whoever, whoever has not sinned, throw the first stone. Well, by the time, by the time Jesus finished riding on the ground and, and telling them to throw the first stone, if they have not sinned, the men left. And Jesus, uh, the woman got up, says, hey, no one here stands accusing you. And he tells her, and I don't accuse you. And he just told her, sin no more. That was the prescription he gave her, sin no more. Today, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten son of our magnificent God, Jehovah, and you sin no more, you're going to be resurrected. Most definitely. Now, you see where the Bible says that, uh, if a prophet prophesies and it doesn't come true, it's a false prophet. This is uh, 130 years of prophesying, and they've been wrong all the time. It doesn't mean the world is not going to end tomorrow. It could. I don't know when that's going to happen. But everybody's talking about this now. You go to Seventh Adventist uh, meeting, they're talking about the end of the world. The 40,000 denominations are talking about the end days. The Mormons are talking about the end days. So the, the, the end is going to come one day. But that's not important right now. Important is that you keep yourself in harmony with God the Almighty and His Son and try your best not to practice sin. So I'm going to conclude with something that uh, allowed me to completely walk away from the Jehovah's Witnesses. For years, my wife would gather, she would download material from the internet. I would never read it. Oh my God. She had a, she had a stack like this. I said, Matt, Matt, Matt. I used to say, Matt, I can't read this. I, I'm not gonna read this. Look, I belong to the congregation. I know everybody there's good. And I can't believe what they're saying there because I don't see it. And, and there's no announcements concerning that. But then as, uh, as I started to fade away with, uh, you know, overlapping, you see how they treat their own after they dedicated themselves decades to the uh, Bethel. As you see that there's a lot of imperfection. Uh, well, I started to fade away because I would go to the kingdom hall and, and, and once again, I didn't feel God there no more. Sometimes I would walk in happy, walk out like, wow, as I had mentioned. 
my wife would have a stack of downloads from the internet talking about pedophilia, all that, all that stuff that Jehovah's Witnesses can't even imagine might be taking place. But now I'm fading away and I decided to watch a documentary on the uh, Australian Royal Commission. I've also seen the, the actual court case on YouTube. And it, it uh, you know, when I saw this documentary, whatever nails were left to close the coffin and buried my belief in Jehovah's Witness, after I saw this documentary, I knew I was no longer a Jehovah's Witness. The Jehovah's Witnesses in Australia, the seven, there were about 70,000 of them. 1,006 of them were pedophiles. None of them were never reported to the authorities. Pedophilia is not a sin. It's a crime. It's a crime against children. So disgusting. And then you would have the accused with three elders and, and the child. And they would ask the child, could anybody witness what you're telling us? What pedophile commits a, uh, in, gets himself involved in the act of pedophilia in front of a witness? None of them. They're real slimy people. So that was it. Case close. You don't have a second witness? We can't disfellowship this guy. We can't, we can't do this. We can't do that. What they should have done was call the cops and let the cops uh, handle the case. So in Australia, you had 1,600 pedophiles, cases, over 1,800 victims, and Bethel, the Holy Land, and the self-appointed governing body, and discreet slave, the word would come down. You can't report them to the cops. Now, is that protecting pedophiles? I think so. I'm not saying they encourage pedophiles. But that's in Australia alone. In England, the third largest group of, in pedophilia is the Jehovah's Witnesses. In America, there's many cases but they're piling up in, in America. And, uh, and the Watchtower Bible Tract Society is selling kingdom halls to pay. And they're hiding their money. They're opening up new uh, corporations to hide the money there. That's not, that doesn't sound to me like God's government on earth. It's not. Now, they could, I'm sure there are Jehovah's Witnesses that would see this video and say, oh, man, Satan got a hold of David. They would. They would look for so many scriptures to describe me. But they won't read Deuteronomy 18.22. Oh, no, they won't read that one. No, they would not read that one for sure. 
Because that one tells you that when somebody prophesies in the name of God and it doesn't come true, they're false prophets. Yeah, the pedophilia, the pedophilia thing actually did it for me. That was the last nail in the coffin. And that's about it. That's about it, my brothers and sisters. Uh, I know that uh, I've spoken to two witnesses about this. They, it seems like they don't know how to listen. They put up a wall. It's called denialism. It's a mental disorder. After you're brainwashed for a period of time, and you start to see the facts that what you've been taught is not all true. God's organization has to be all true, not partial. So what happens is when, you're, when you're brainwashed and people start to bring out facts that denialism wall is a wall that it just it prevents you to want to even look into it. That, that's how powerful denialism is. It prevents you from even wanting to look into it. And for those who feel that way, hey, I just hope you wake up another day. You don't need a governing body telling you that um, the way to heaven is through them. Oh, by the way, another thing I want to say before I go. One night I was going to go to bed and I said, I, I need a little spiritual food. And I went to JW.org and the speaker was so boring, I, I shut it off. And now I, I see some of the clips here and there in JW.org. You get messages like this. Jehovah trust the, trust the governing body or the discreet slave. Jesus trust the discreet slave. You should trust the discreet slave. How do I know that Jehovah trusts you when you're protecting pedophiles in Australia, England, in the United States of America, all over, and you're selling kingdom oils to pay, out, to pay out the millions that you're already paying out, and you're lying about people like me who try to tell the public that they have a problem with this. They will call me a liar, an apostate, they hate me. Oh, they would definitely hate me. But um, this is not about hate. This is about truth. And you need to learn the truth. And the truth is um, everlasting life is, Jesus said it's John 17, 3. Look it in your Bible. John 17, 3. Jesus said, this is everlasting life. Us. Me and you, taking in knowledge of the only true God, his father Jehovah, and of the one whom Jehovah sent, Jesus Christ. Learn all you can, and you can do that on your own by reading the Bible, and, uh, and try not to practice sin. And it'll be okay. I think we need a new we need a new <laughs> we need a new congregation on earth, in which uh, uh, the people in the congregation would not be looking over the shoulders of others, 
a congregation which would always love Jehovah and Jesus Christ equally. One is mighty, one is God the Almighty, and the other one is mighty God. But you can love them equally, and you should praise them equally. And with, all, and with, that, I, uh, with that, I say good night. Thank you again if you, if you took the time to listen to me. And if you got this far, I appreciate it. God bless.